This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to How Gen Y Buy. Each week, we speak to everyday Australians to discover the unique ways in which they are entering the property market. Learn how Gen Y are beating the odds and getting their foot on the property ladder with your host, Nathan Smith, the Managing Director and Mortgage Broker at Birdie Wealth. Welcome back to How Gen Y Buy. I'm your host, Nathan Smith. It's a bit of a bittersweet episode, this one. It's our final episode of season one. Uh, today, we've uh, saved the best guests for last, and we'll, uh, we'll soon find out. So uh, today, I've got Adam Chalk here in the studio, and we're going to be talking about how a financial planner fits into that first property purchase. So we'll be talking about the big dreams, goals, and aspirations, but also some of those what-ifs, um, which is a conversation as a broker I don't have to do too often, uh, but as a planner, it's certainly asking those questions we sometimes don't want to think about. Uh, Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nathan, and thanks for the intro. Now, a financial planner is probably not the first thing somebody in their 20s or early 30s is thinking about when they're buying their first home. People may associate financial planners with somebody who helps you finalise your retirement when you're in your mid-50s. What are the key benefits of seeing a financial planner when you're a Gen Y buyer looking to purchase your first home? The the most important thing with any sort of plan or, or, or strategy, whether it's losing weight or accumulating wealth is you need to know what the end goal is. So as a financial planner, I'll typically sit with a client and I'll ask them about 12 months, 24 months, 5 years, 10 years, and even 20 year uh, objectives. So once we know where we're headed, we can then map out a plan to achieve those objectives. So the the first home really is the first stepping stone in, in building your financial wealth. Um, and then we want to get things around that purchase to ensure it's Supported like strong cash flow analysis, uh, good insurances, creating a reserves buffer, and use that uh, strong foundation to launch into other strategies as we move forward. So really it's uh, about seeing where they're up to at the moment, where they want to be over perhaps a longer time frame. So rather than just this first transaction, we're saying where do you want to be in 10 years, 15 years or come retirement and how do we map our plan to make sure that we we head towards that goal? There's nothing worse than a 62-year-old coming to me saying I want to retire in three years with 300000 in super and they want $80,000 a year. It's not going to work. Someone with a long-term investment time frame uh, can make investments, time is on their side and we can really have a definitive plan structured for them to achieve those objectives so that when the time comes at for example, 45, and they want to buy a child a, a car, they know the funds are there. They want to retire at 60, the funds are there. Um, so, yeah, we really continuously review our plan and make sure those milestones and those client objectives are met. And, and the first home is a great start to that wealth accumulation kind of strategy. So what's actually drew you to becoming a financial planner? There's so many other occupations and roles out there. Why a financial planner for you? Well, I originally was going to be a doctor. But I can't handle blood. <laughs> so it wasn't a good role. Probably a terrible role for you. Yeah, I passed out putting contacts in. Um, so look, I saw the value a good financial planner can create. I mean, a, a typical scenario might be, you know, someone who works hard in a, in a trade, great income, but doesn't know how to use it efficiently. We can come along, save tax, 
start him or her on a wealth accumulation path, protect their family with insurances, and have um, and work with them along the way to, to hopefully retirement and beyond. So I saw the value a good planner could make in someone's life. And I liken it to if I go to a mechanic and he looks at my car, I don't know what he can tell me anything. Um, I'm at their mercy. So I'm a big believer in using specialists such as yourself for, for mortgages, you know, accountants and planners. And um, yeah, I think a, a good planner and a good team um, can make really significant changes to someone's life. Now, there's more to planning than just property. What are those other elements that fit around property or go alongside it to help build their full plan? Absolutely. So there's four key areas we look at. Um, so investment, property is one of them, but we look at um, shares, bonds, fixed interest um, style investments. So we want to diversify. We're a big believer in, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. The next one is insurance um, because you can insure your house, your car, without insurance, without your income. There is no house or car, so we need to make sure you've got good insurances in place. Uh, we look at estate planning, um, so making sure you know, if you have a young family or thinking about kids, how do we make sure there's sufficient funds to provide for them? Um, and we also focus a lot on uh, tax, so making sure you're not paying tax unnecessarily. Um, so we use those four key sort of pillars to put together a plan um, centered around what a client's trying to achieve. So it's not only about building the wealth, it's protecting it simultaneously? Absolutely. Um, you can have the best plan in the world. You know, I want to uh, accumulate five properties by the time I'm 50 with you know, a half million dollar share portfolio next to it. If at 42 you have a heart attack and you can no longer work, you might as well put that plan in a bit. So um, it, it needs to look at, and I always advocate for client. It needs to be a holistic plan, looking at all elements of your uh, financial position. Yeah, so I think Australians are, are well known for being underinsured, um, particularly around uh, they generally have their home and they have their cars insured, but uh, there's so many other insurances that are, that are underdone. Particularly when you're younger, you think you're bulletproof, you've got time, nothing's going to happen to you, but unfortunately we see the ugly side of it sometimes. Um, we see those people who pass away unexpectedly and uh, not meaning to go into too much of a morbid <laughs> note on the final episode, <laughs> uh, but it's it's a conversation we need to have. We need to sit down with your partner and say, what happens if you know, we've borrowed this property using both of our incomes We've got a young family. What happens if one of us passes away? So how do you start that conversation with somebody? And you're 100% correct. The, the thing we can we can act, we can accurate, or not accurate, but we can predict with some certainty what an investment is going to do. So, for example, a quality property in a good area with a long-term investment time frame should do well. Uh, same with blue chip share portfolios. We know the average return on the share market over a long period of, of time can be, be, be between 10 and 12%. What we can't crystal ball is you point out a driveway and getting hit by a truck or health-related issues. So that really becomes the big, um, I guess, uh, un unknown or, or big risk to any plan, the fact that these things can come out of left field. If you've got good cash flow, you can ride out any downturn in the market, but you get sick, there is no plan B because Centrelink is the support isn't. Um, going to warrant or sustain a, a comfortable lifestyle. So I would 
uncomfortable as it is to think about your own uh, mortality or getting ill or your partner getting ill. Um, it's a discussion, you're 100% correct, that needs to happen. And myself with, with young children, it's one that me and my wife have, saying, well, if something did happen, are they going to be okay? So I certainly believe, you know, uh, insurance should underpin any plan. Um, and unfortunately, as uncomfortable as the discussion can be, it needs to be had. Yeah, the longer you put it off, the more changes can happen. So it needs to be something that's looked at regularly and, and addressed and reviewed as as your circumstances change. So I guess the reason where uh, financial planners fit into properties, that's generally a milestone where their debt levels have increased, potentially for the very first time, their first significant debt. They may have had a car loan or they may have had a, a credit card, but this is their first big purchase. We're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so this is where we now need to start to look and make sure does our insurances match with our, uh, our new levels of debt? Does it all make sense? And I guess you mentioned before about estate planning. That that would be fairly similar, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, using myself as an example, with a three-and-a-half-year-old, an 18-month-old, and another one on the way, my wife's on maternity leave at the moment. Just like most of us in Sydney, there's a big mortgage sitting there. Something happened to me, they're in trouble. So I need to make sure that regardless of what happens to me, they're okay. So that to me is one of my objectives. So how do I achieve that objective? I have a, a comprehensive wealth protection or, or insurance plan in place to make sure that, one, um, they, they're, you know, the home is able to be maintained, um, and two, they can have the lifestyle that we uh, want our children to have and that my wife is okay. So um, absolutely um critical when you're taking on debt or a child or a major life event happens to have that review should be reviewed anyway but that definitely is a trigger to to make sure you have enough because at the end of the day you know better than me the banks don't really care do they (laughs) they want their money regardless of what's happened to you unfortunately you've still got to pay that bill so um now with a financial planner your preference, do you want to be seeing people before, during, after they've bought their first property? So the earlier the better. The reason being is that we can map out the cash flow. So if you want to spend 700000 the bank might give it to you. But what is your cash flow going to look like if we repayments go up to 6 7 8% or sorry, interest rates go up to 6 7 8%? If there's a child that you were thinking about having, so you're going to be on less income. So we can work through all those scenarios with you to make sure you can confidently purchase that property and, and access that, that loan and also have those insurances play. Um, if it's a first home, um, you know, obviously that, that process is critical. If it's a second home, then we you know, have a different conversation around maybe increasing insurances, but what about diversification, looking at other assets? Um, so... Um, Certainly like to be the earlier the better and then we constantly review it once we provide a statement of advice and it's reviewed at least annually. So we ensure it reflects what's going on in your life. Now, if somebody wants to go and uh, find a financial planner or speak to a planner, what are some of those key questions you think they should be asking a planner before they uh, proceed with them? Well, planning's really been revolutionised. One thing is uh, education. Um, so from 1 January 19. Um, any new entrants into the industry need a degree from 1 January 2024. Um, any existing advisors need to have a degree. So they're trying to lift it, but unfortunately, it's not in force at this point in time. So if you're looking what I would definitely check education qualifications because 
Um, the government and the industry has realised it needs to be lifted, um, but it just hasn't been lifted at this point in time. Um, the second thing I would say is you want to check the uh, alignment. So is the advisor aligned to a bank or an institution that has its own product? Um, if that's the case, that might not necessarily be a bad thing. You just want to make sure that anything recommended to you um, is in your best interest and not aligned to that institution behind the planner. So personally, I'd look for independence and high education uh, standards. And I think if you tick those two boxes, that would hold you in a, in a good position with a planner. So with a financial planner, it does work slightly different to a mortgage broker. So with a broker, we get paid a fee by the lender. Um, things have changed with financial planning now and most models are now fee-for-service. Is that correct? So correct. So on insurance, they they can receive a commission. But typically for um, investment work or, or cash flow analysis, um, yeah, it's like seeing your accountant or, or, or solicitor, they will position a, um, an hourly rate and a, and a fee um, for that, um, for the time spent. Various models, but I mean, typically, yeah, you'd expect for a, a first home buyer, depending on complexity, you know, a, a flat fee between $1,500 and $3,000. So, but you should be getting more value than the outlay as with any purchase. So yeah. if they're quoting you $1,500, you want to see tax savings, cash flow analysis, insurance provision, of course, an estate plan. It's good value. The industry now is is fairly regulated. It's become every year there seems to be more and more regulation. So all those fees and charges are, are disclosed up front. Um, you're advised of what the costs would be before they begin the work. It's not uh, it's not sit down and then they start the work and they get hit with the bill at the end. It's all up front. You know exactly what your costings are going to be and then, and then they proceed with the work from there. Absolutely. So typically yeah, before we commence doing the work, we will issue uh, what's called a terms of engagement, so a letter that outlines what we'll provide and, and the fee that is applicable for that service. And it should all be disclosed up front, you're correct, before any work's commenced. So there should be no surprises. Now, we've done a bit of doom and gloom now. Let's get that <laughs> off the table. Let's talk quickly about your personal relationship with property. How have you, uh, how have you found property and how has it worked in your life? So property is a key f- uh, are a central key piece of any wealth accumulation strategy. If you look at the data, I think in 1983, the average uh, house price in Sydney was three, dollars $400,000. You know what it is today, over 1.1, I think. It allows you to use leverage, so you have a, a larger amount um, invested in, in the market. So by that, I mean um, via borrowings. Um, you have a, a maybe a $800,000 property um, earning um, rent and earning capital growth returns on it. Um, so yeah, I've always liked property as a uh, as a wealth accumulation tool. And for me personally, yeah, it started at a young age. I bought a, a, a unit down in the Shire, your way, mate, in uh, in Penzurst, and uh, it did really well. Um, now that I've got kids and stuff, we've got a family home in the Blue Mountains. But we've also got investment property in other markets, so Sunshine Coast and Melbourne. And what I found property um, allowed me to do was tap into some of that capital growth, that equity, which unlocks other investment opportunities. But in saying that, whilst I do like property, I do believe it should be only one part of that 
of your strategy. You do need to have it complemented with a share portfolio, some fixed interest investments. You need to be diversified. So to me, yeah, I really like property, but I, I caution people who have the property blinkers on, property, property, property. Um, Spread your eggs. Exactly. Yeah. So buying a family home compared to buying an investment property, how are those two processes different? Oh, my wife picked the family home, right? Of course. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, told, she right? fell in love with it. Yep. She liked it. She wanted it. So, yep. Um, no, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, the, the investment property side was purely a, a financial decision. So put on the whiteboard, what return am I getting? What's the market like? What's the infrastructure like around it? And we really start with a macroeconomic point of view. By that, I mean we start at a high level. So what's the city like? What's the uh, schools like? What's the uh, rail like? What's the roads like? And then we drill right down to a micro level of what return am I going to get on this property? What's the quality of the property? And it's really a financial decision that is removed of all emotion. Um, picking the family home, it's a total opposite. It and is. It's, uh, yeah. And it's, you know, is there a big backyard that we can put the trampoline in with a swimming pool? And, um, and that is just, you know, uh, a decision that, you know, we, we made to um, from from a family point of view that you know fits with our family. So there was no, whilst you know due diligence is done to make sure it's you know quality. Um, the main objective isn't financial with the family home. It's more quality of life. We've had some great takeaways from this. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, my two key takeaways is that the financial planner is quite often overlooked for the first home buyer when they're looking to buy the property. Uh, you're looking not only at helping them with their goals, dreams and aspirations, but making sure if something goes wrong that they're well protected and they're taken care of. Now, for a first home buyer, have you got a one tip, one piece that they can take away to say this is a one tip that when you either bought your first property you wish you were told, or is there one piece of advice you were told that you think is a great takeaway for them? Get a grip on your cash flow. Know what's coming in, know what's going out. Know that you have enough for a rainy day. The worst thing you can do with any asset, whether it's a property, whether it's a share, whether it's is have to fire sell the thing at a depressed price. So we want to make sure your cash flow is there right through the ups, the downs, and provided your cash flow supports you through volatile times and you can hold the property long term you will do well so cash flow is key perfect mate that is a great tip to finish the uh, episode and uh, the season on really good tip this is the final episode of how gen y buy for this season thanks to everyone who's listened in over the series i hope you've taken away something from it if you do have any questions please feel free to contact the team at birdie wealth we're more than happy to run you through it there is some more plans for a future season and we also have a book that is being launched with all these interviews if you prefer to sit down and read a book on the train instead of listen to the podcast that's coming soon uh, i'm nathan from birdie wealth and how gen y buy we'll catch you next season this podcast is for general information only it contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision making nor to be taken as a substitute for specific advice. Please contact Birdie Wealth to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. For more information, go to www.birdiewealth.com.au.